Welcome to the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. It is Super Bowl week, everybody. Uh, we are back with Benjamin Parker once again. Just a repeat, uh, a, a twofer from Ben in these two weeks. Ben, what is up? Welcome back. Yeah, listen, I, I don't get tired of doing these. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, Ben is such a maniac that I know he he's one of those he, he's like one of those friends that you know you could ask for a favor at any time and he'll <laughs> always do it. But then as you get older, you're like, I need to stop asking because he's going to overextend himself at some like he can't just keep <laughs> doing me all these favors. So I always have a an episode idea at hand for Ben, and I'm like, I just I can't ask him again because he'll come back as soon like. And never mind the fact we'll do the plugs here at the top. Ben's also on the Phantom Football podcast with me that we do early in the week. He's also on the Odds on Favorite podcast, which comes out midweek. Uh, we have a very fun episode on that with Super Bowl props and Super Bowl preview coming up for that. So uh, be sure to be on the lookout for that. I was very happy to be a guest on that one this week. Um, he's got some other irons in the fire for the offseason. So Ben is everywhere. Uh, and most importantly, he is back here with us tonight. We're doing a pseudo Super Bowl preview with a very interesting topic that if you're listeners of this show, if you're listeners of the Phantom Football podcast, Ben and I have hinted at this conversation coming for a while and we're finally doing it uh, whole hog, nothing else in between. Uh, so we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before we do one thing in between, we do just want to hit on the fact that LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers, we're going to flip sports here on everybody. LeBron James just set the all-time scoring record in the NBA, uh, breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's 38-some thousand points in a career. Uh, LeBron topped that this week here. I, I believe it was February 7th, Tuesday, in a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Needed 36 points, got it. Um Really just incredible stuff. But before I talk about it, Ben, you know, I, I've never got to hear you really talk basketball. I'm excited, though. Uh, what what did you think about this when you heard that first, you know, it was going to happen this year and that, you know, it, it's finally happened. LeBron's the all-time scoring leader in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's a salute to a couple of things. So let me start by saying I had the privilege of watching him on, on ESPN, like a lot of the nation, play as a high schooler. You know, everybody just knew he was going to be this good. And getting to watch him play in high school and then all the way through those lean Cleveland years and then through all the championship years. But it's a testament to two things. His talent, which is insane. We we just never see a guy this big move this fast, shoot this well, and dribble this well. Um, like, that's mm -hmm. number one. And the, mm -hmm. the other thing too is, I don't know, there haven't been many athletes who have taken care of their body as well as he has for as mm -hmm. long as he um, Tom Brady comes to mind, right? Yep. But, you know, when a lot of other guys are going out to hit the nightlife, and not that he didn't, but when a lot of other guys are going out every night to party, he wasn't always doing that. When a lot of other guys were, were doing all kinds of things with their body, which is their business, but he wasn't. Um, and, and when a lot of other guys were like, well, I put in my extra work for the day, I'm done, he's still working. Um, it, it's a real testament to not only the talent level, but to the, the way he's taking care of himself too. It's, it's just incredible. Only played less than 60 games in a season four times. Uh, all of those were in his mid or late thirties. And uh, one of them was obviously the COVID shortened season as well. Only played less than 35 minutes a night 
in two seasons. One was that COVID shortened season as well. And then one was the year before that. So um, those, those, I believe those first two years with the Lakers uh, when he was, you know, 35 and 36 years old. Uh, it, it really is just incredible. I remember I was seven or eight years old the year he was drafted. So I was just coming into my, like, I can really internalize the things that are going on uh, in sports. And I am now almost 30 and I have a kid and this guy is still doing this, man. It is just, it is, it's truly, truly incredible. Um, I, I can't say enough. There's not anything that I could say that's different than, than you um, and, and what everybody is saying. And yeah, just incredible work to his body, incredible work to his craft, the way he's changed his game over the years. And it doesn't feel like he has because it's not in this big dramatic sense because he was always just such a standout. But the little things he's done over time to get to this point, you don't, you don't just fall into 38,000 career points. Right. And so the work that that's gone into it and the way he's changed his game while the game around him is changing has been incredible. Um, and just, just a couple short stories for me with, with LeBron, it's really funny. So with the whole goat debate, right. Greatest of all time, him or Mike, him or Mike, him or Mike, and all of my arguments for that and, and against it, you know, I, I've been called a LeBron hater at times, and to that discussion, it doesn't count, but I'm also a very self-aware LeBron quote-unquote hater, but it's not because of what you would think. It's not because of this undying love for Michael Jordan or anything to do with that debate. It's from a 2005 playoff series against the Washington Wizards, which is how you know I'm, I'm a sad fan uh, because I just mentioned the 2005 Washington Wizards. But Gilbert Arenas is at the free throw line against those early lean years Cavs. Um, maybe not 2005, maybe 06. Either way, uh, Gilbert Arenas is at the free throw line trying to go up late in one of those play, uh, playoff games. And LeBron just, you know, casually walks over, whispers in his ear, hey, man, don't, you know, if you miss both of these, we're going to win. Uh, Gilbert Arenas, who was like an 80-some percent free throw shooter, misses both. So so that's a real – there was a mini rivalry there for like two years to Sean Stevenson. Uh, there was a, a Jay-Z and Soldier Boy, I believe, uh, uh, inclusion into that rivalry. It was very weird times, very weird times. Um, and, the, and the last thing I'll say, I saw some on Twitter, and, and this is always going to be a thing, and you know, nothing's ever good when you start with I saw on Twitter – but the, the two camps on the Jordan and LeBron camp are going to have their feelings about this no matter what, right? There's the Jordan camp, which is no matter what LeBron were to do, they're always going to be in the Jordan camp, and that's fine. There's the LeBron camp. I saw I saw some stuff where it was like, as soon as he gets this number one, we'll never talk about Michael Jordan again, right? Or, or, or you know, and it's just like, oh, I mean, how can you say that, but you didn't even have Kareem as your number one then, if that's your argument? Like, you're not even mentioning Kareem, who gets lost in all of this, but is is clearly with those guys for, for any anyways. Um, here's what I'll say about the GOAT debate. You can have LeBron one, you can have Jordan one, and if you're of a certain age, you might still have Kareem one. If you don't have one of those three, and you have any of those three, but especially LeBron or Jordan out of your top three, then I'm just not going to listen to you. So so that's all that really matters. But say whatever you want, feel however you want about it. At the end of the day, it's an incredible feat for just everything you know that that he's put in in all these years. And the fact that it looks like he could go two or three more uh, and still play at a high level is just incredible. Um, anything else for you on, on LeBron and, and the NBA before we move on here? I'll drop a hint that you you will not be surprised that I 
I grew up watching basketball in the late 80s. I have a slightly different take on the GOAT debate, but I won't introduce it here tonight. So you probably won't listen to me. Oh, whatever man, what a, what a hint. What a – what a oh, my gosh, that's all I want to talk about now. Um, we'll have the time. But it, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, everything you said is true. Somebody that grew up watching Michael, it's hard for, it's hard for you to tell them that Michael's not the best. Mm -hmm. Who didn't watch Michael in his prime – and who grew up watching LeBron, it's hard, to, it's hard to explain why Michael was better. Somebody who grew up in the 70s or, and even the 60s and watched a couple of those guys, it's real hard to convince, convince them that, hey, these new guys are better. Um, you know, the game changes. It's very hard to compare eras. Um, we all have our own take on it, but no doubt LeBron is, <laughs> LeBron is amazing. There, there's really no other way to say that. Congrats to LeBron. Congrats to the James family. Congrats to the Lakers on, you know, getting to have a Laker pass Kareem for that record. You know, they feel good about that. Um, that has been your hoop segment of the night. Uh, don't worry, guys. This podcast, I mean, it's Super Bowl week, like we said. Uh, there, there's still going to be plenty of NFL, but we're going to get back to mixing in hoops and, and some other stuff as well on this feed. So make sure everybody stays tuned to that. Um, it's time to talk Super Bowl. It's time to talk NFL time to talk quarterbacks the conversation ben and i are having tonight is a conversation like i said we've been hinting at it's been out in the ether for the last couple of years ever since patrick mahomes started this run with the chiefs we've heard the phrase quarterback on a rookie contract it's what everybody wants it's all anybody wants to talk about it's the hot button you know before before it was this like really smart like oh man if you can do this and then you could do this yeah yeah and and now it just has kind of become the hot button way to talk about stuff on, on sports radio or, or ESPN or whatever, but it's, it's really blown up the last couple of weeks here. And we're going to dive into that. How much to pay your quarterback who deserves these big contracts, who deserves to, to eat up all the cap. And, and it's a great way to look at this super bowl. And it's what they're going to talk about all week. What we talked about all last week, you have Patrick Mahomes, who's, cap hit this season is almost $40 million. It's, I believe it's over 20% or, or no, that's not even right. I don't know what it is for, for this year's cap, the percentage wise, but it's a lot. Um, but almost $40 million cap hit for Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts, who's on his rookie contract uh, of a round two pick, uh, just over a million and a half dollar cap hit this season for his team uh patrick mahomes by the way it was 17 percent of the cap so big big difference there when you're talking about how much of your cap is being allocated to one person and, and just a quick uh webster's dictionary definition here as we're talking about this i, I think ben and i are going to use cap hit for the most part and cap number um which is is more it's kind of a vague term it's not it's not the exact amount of money that is going into Mahomes' pocket this year it's the accounting of what it is costing the chiefs to have Mahomes play for them this year it's a combination of the base salary for the year which is basically like what their game checks equal out to uh, a portion of the signing bonus that was signed at the beginning of the contract and then any other bonuses that go into it so a roster bonus workout bonuses, incentives, things like that. All of that is taken into account um, into this cap hit. So so we'll use that for the most part. We're not going to be talking about cash, what he's making week to week. We're going to be talking about cap hits for these guys. Um, so before we dive into a lot of the data, 
Ben, I want to ask you, when you look at this, when you look at this NFL over the last couple of years, and, and we talk about some of these quarterbacks who have gotten these big mega contracts, and we see the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who just traded away Tyreek Hill before he got a new big contract, going up against this Philadelphia Eagles team with Jalen Hurts at quarterback and just all pro star-studded roster all the way around him. What are your kind of initial thoughts when you see that and, and you think about team building and roster management and, you know, can can you win when your quarterback is making 15 to 20 to 25 percent of your of your cap in any given season? What are your thoughts? Yeah, and, and obviously this is going to be a long show, guys, so we appreciate everybody listening. It's, it's going to be worth listening to. There's a lot of good stuff here. And, and for those of you who may see this on a, on video, we, we know we're on video, but you know, if, if we're doing our, our lip balm or eating our butterfingers or coat, we get it. it you know, it's a long show. But uh, when you look at the at the numbers that these quarterbacks are making, this, this kind of all started really 10 or 12 years ago when the rookie wage scale hit was when teams started having these huge decisions. It was like, oh, my gosh, these, these quarterbacks, number one draft pick, cheap as heck. <laughs> you know, yeah. they could be the best player in the league for five years and get paid, you know, you know, crumbs. Mm-hmm. And it's really with all this kicked off, um, it's really escalated. You mentioned it, though, with the Mahomes stuff. My preferred route in a vacuum is, yeah, let's get a quarterback on a rookie deal. Even if he's not the best, if he's somewhere in the top, tw- top 10, top 12, that's the way to go, man. Now I got all this other money. I got quarterback taken care of. I've got all this other money to spread around. Um, that's my preferred route in a vacuum. But life isn't lived in a vacuum, and the NFL isn't played in a vacuum. So when you start adding in guys who are exceptionally talented, Hall of Fame-level talented, that changes the question. When you have guys who are fighting for their jobs, like a coach or general manager, that changes the equation. When you have a franchise who has been miserable for 20 years with no taste of success, and they finally got a little sniff of it, that changes the dynamics. So um, I'm open to the fact that you can win in any way. But whatever way you choose, especially if you're paying a guy a lot of money at quarterback, you better be really good at everything else, everything else, because you're pushing a snowball up a hill, and that snowball is getting larger um, is a good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Um, When you look at a team like the Chiefs, again, previewing this Super Bowl a little bit, um, you let a guy, a veteran, high-profile player, Tyron Matthew, walk in free agency. Now we can dig into stuff and find that his play had been down the last couple of years, but still, in terms of a guy that was going to get paid, high-profile, big name, you let him walk, and now your defensive backs are rookies, second-year, third-year guys, um, a couple veterans who you were able to kind of bring onto the team, but nobody to the degree of a Tyron Matthew, right? That takes scouting, that takes coaching, that takes um, creativity. You uh, trade Tyree Kill because he's ready for a big extension. You can't afford it um, because you're paying Patrick Mahomes. Okay, what are you going to do at receiver? All right, a little bit of draft, a little bit of you know cast off from other teams, and boom, we got a receiving core. Uh, I believe – the Chiefs led the NFL this year in yards after the catch. And I think it actually might have been like one of the top numbers for a team in the last like 20 years or so. They're doing that without Tyreek Hill for this wide receiver core that they just kind of cobbled together. So, yeah, exactly what you said. You you have to be able to do the stuff around the edges. You hope that maybe some of the guys you had been able to pay 
and bring into the fold when that quarterback was a rookie can now stick around when they're a little bit older. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, but you know, as we, as we kind of zoom back out a little bit and look at year to year success, right. Uh, of these quarterbacks, you, you had done some research, you dug into the data a little bit over the last, uh, 10, 12 years, I think, uh, is as far back as you went. What did you find when kind of assessing team success um, and, and quarterback, you know, capits and values? We could, we could spend hours talking about this one little data set that we've got. I won't do that. I'll just hit the highlights and we'll move on from there. Over the last 11, 12 years, 48 teams have made the final four. Obviously, that's, that's not a, 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 a revelation. We picked we pick that data set because winning percentage and, and even playoff appearances to a degree can be so skewed by the fact that you have a good coach or you already have some other pretty good players in place. But we, we went after the teams that made it to the Final Four every year. And the question was, well, what are these four teams doing at quarterback? And what we're finding is roughly half of them, just under half of them, are big money quarterbacks that are either getting into the AFC-NFC title game or they're going all the way and winning the Super Bowl. Um, now, what we are finding along with that is about another half of these quarterbacks reaching the Final Four are on rookie deals. Um, Data-wise, it's about half and half. Pretty close. E each year changes that a little bit, but roughly half and half. So if you got a big money guy, you can win the Super Bowl, but there are limits to that. You can't just throw, and we'll get into that later, there are limits to that, how good the guy has to be and how much. But you can have a big guy, big money quarterback and win the Super Bowl. You certainly can. Um, and you can have lots of guys on rookie quarter uh, contracts win the Super Bowl. What we're not seeing as much of, but it can happen, is teams that have a mid-level quarterback who's making starter money. That is, they've passed the rookie contract, and now they're into legit starter money. Um, We've only seen them really break through a couple of times, and that wasn't even winning the Super Bowl. That's just showing up in the top four. So there's about three different ways to get there, and I think any way will work if you've got a Kyle Shanahan or if you've got a, a Bill Belichick or a Mike Tomlin. Mm -hmm. But, again, you better be really good at all the other stuff you do um, if you're going to hand out money to the big guys. Yeah, I, it, it was, it's great work by you. And like you said, if we if we actually dove into literally every piece of this uh, database you put together, it, it would take a while if we wanted to go name by name here. But yeah, about 50%, right? So uh, yeah. you, you got a coin toss. It, and it depends uh, a lot on all of the people in the room, not just the one guy you're paying necessarily, except for a few, a few certain cases. So what I did in response to that to kind of add to it a little bit was I wanted to know first, okay, if we extend this out outside of the top four, outside of that final four conference championship contenders, what happens for the teams that are in the playoffs, right? Do you get some more of those mid-tier quarterbacks? Do you get more guys on rookie deals? Do you get more guys on big contracts? I wanted to just extend the data a little bit. Um now, I only did over the last five years for, for a couple of reasons. One, I wasn't going to do you know 12 years like you. You're, you're a little crazy. But also, to me, this conversation is so tied to Patrick Mahomes, right? It's so tied to getting this all-pro MVP Super Bowl caliber quarterback on his rookie deal. Um, 
to play in an era of football that we're seeing right now, right? So in in 2012, when it was Rodgers, Eli, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip River, it was a it was a little bit different, right? A little bit different of a game, a little different kind of cap structure, um, all sorts. So I, so I looked at the last five years, basically Patrick Mahomes and on, so Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, these guys, uh, today's quarterbacks, one to extend it out. And honestly, Ben, I found a lot of the same things. Um, it 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 did lean a little more in favor of the guys with the bigger cap hits, right? So um in each of the last five seasons, uh for the la- for 2022, 2021, 2020 to start. Um, and let me double check. Yeah, and 2019. So four of the last five seasons, the last four years in a row, we've had five teams each season with the guy on a, on his rookie contract as the quarterback, right? Um, we had seven quarterbacks here in 2022 as the starters in the playoffs, but that was with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo under contract on a big cap hit um, and Lamar Jackson with a big, with a big cap hit on his fifth year deal. So, so about five going back through 2019 uh, on rookie deals. The other guys for the most part, we're all big contracts, guys that were in the top 10 in terms of cap hits uh, for their season. A couple outliers, um, you know, I've got, let's see, Patrick Mahomes in 2021 was technically 20th in terms of his cap hit, but that was on a restructure. So so his actual cap hit for that season would have been seventh. So he would have been tied. He would have been in the top 10. That was at, um, that would have been about $25 million for his cap hit. Um this past season, Tom Brady, uh, which is funny to talk about. I mean, we know Tom, Tom Brady and what his situation is, but he he was only seventeenth um, in terms of his cap hit. Obviously, Geno Smith this year, thirty fourth. So so there's some outliers, right? That, I mean, this year in particular was a little bit strange. You also have to factor in these last two years extending it out to the fourteen teams, right? That's going to just include a wider range of outcomes. Um, but Brady, you know, is is retired now and he always kind of his deals i feel like his bucks deals would be fascinating to dive more into it kind of because of what he was so used to with the patriots i wonder how much that affected what his cap hit truly was now in i think some of his earlier years he had higher cap hits um than this past season i think this one was lower probably because i think there might have been some void years um but anyways not getting too far down into that rabbit hole for the most part though it's the same thing it's it's Five out of 14 or five out of 12 guys are make are on their rookie deals. Almost every other guy is in the top 10 in terms of the cap hit. So about 50-50, just like, you know, it, a little more skewed when you extend it out to all the playoff guys. Um, but that makes sense because in the league, be interesting to compare the percentage of rookie quarterback deals to playoff contenders to rookie quarterback deals of all 32 teams, right? How many rookie quarterbacks or how many guys on rookie contracts are starters any given year, right? So it might be proportional to the league, um, but it, it did extend out. So so it's not purely 50-50. It's more 60-40 guys with the big contracts or right. even you know, 65-35 is kind of what I found by extending it out. The, does anything in that kind of scream out to you or, or seem interesting or is that, you know, seem like kind of part for the course? No, that, that totally makes sense. That's exactly what we've seen. It. And honestly, you're not going to find much different, even if you extend it back seven more years. It it right. holds up. It holds up pretty true. 
each four teams you add every season changes it a little bit to reach 14 teams. But the data is pretty much holding up there. The one thing I will say, a data set we're not going to touch tonight is the teams that miss the playoffs. There's mm-hmm. also a, a third data set that shows that there are big money play, uh, big, big money quarterbacks every year that just flat out don't even make the playoffs at all. Um, it's not a huge number, but it is out there. And that's kind of the worst, right, is a team that paid, paid their guy a lot of money, thinks they found their guy, and then don't even make the playoffs. I mean, forget Super Bowl, just boom, just flat out, you know, we could call a couple of names for this season, but I don't think we need to. Uh, that's the worst. But uh, tonight's focus is, yeah, how do, how do you get to the wins and, and what's creating that? But, yeah, um, and you mentioned it. You, you pay a guy a lot, even if you don't get to the Super Bowl, you've got some job security because you you are very likely to get into the playoffs, um, more than likely, um, is what we're seeing on these two two levels of data. And more than that, to me, once you're in the playoffs, you've given yourself a chance to win the Super Bowl. Like there, you know, you could talk about the percentages, the likelihoods, you know, contenders and pretenders and frauds and whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, you're in the playoffs, you're in the tournament. You're three games away from the Super Bowl, even if you're a seven seed. So, you know, is, there's a world, there's a there's a universe out there in the multiverse. Ant-Man Quantumania is coming up. Be uh, on the lookout for the podcast about that in a few weeks. There's a world out there where Geno Smith and the Seahawks got hot and they made the Super Bowl, right? There's a world out there where, I don't want to say Tyler Huntley, but Tyler Huntley gets hot and the Ravens go to, you know, so including all these when you when you're in the playoffs unless you're in on like a losing season but even then in this case this year Tom Brady is it crazy if he took an 8 and 9 team to the Super Bowl this year no absolutely not so once you're in the playoffs you're in and to me that's why it was so important to include these guys because it's like hey man everybody's got a shot at this point yeah i i agree here's probably and and, and everybody who listens will see it differently Here's probably where you, my priorities and your priorities start to diverge a little bit. It's true you have a chance. Now, my thinking is since the rookie wage scale kicked in, we're seeing that less and less, that, that fifth seed and sixth seed getting hot. Um, they're, they're starting to hit forces when they hit the, the final eight that, that work really against them. But we have seen it. I think we saw it with the Steelers years and years ago with Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. They came from like a, a wild card for sure, maybe a sixth seed, and rolled that into a Super Bowl. We saw it with the Broncos years and years and years ago. Um, they had a year like that. This was before Manning. This was this was I, I don't remember who was on the team, but we saw that. Um, we saw it with the uh, I think the Ravens maybe even had a year like that mm-hmm. where they were mm-hmm. a pretty low seed and, and worked their way all the way in. So yes, it can happen. My priorities start to be well. How do I get the, the percentages in my favor? Um, yeah, I've always got a chance here with Brady and Rodgers. But how do I get those percentages in my favor? And that's where my priorities start to kick in. And maybe yours as well. But you're right. You always have a chance there with those kind of guys, even if they are, as long as you're in the playoffs. So. You're 100% right, because I have been accused before of a uh, uh, quote-unquote loser's mentality. Shout out to Smick. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, like, man, look, at the end of the day, and and this is where I get into like, it's almost depressing, but it's also just kind of reality based. Like we have sports because it's entertainment. It's an entertainment venue. It's for fans. Um, as much as it shouldn't be like, 
and saying, hey, players, you do this for us. What? Why are you sitting out? Yeah, that's a whole different thing. But in terms of like, hey, man, if I'm a fan of a team, I just want my team to be good. I want to I want a thing to watch. I want a thing to take my family to and see a good product. And I want to have players that I like on the team that I want to watch for a long time. Um, maybe that, again, I'm a Wizards fan. This is kind of what I've been sold all these years. So maybe that's why. But on the other hand, I'm a Steelers fan and I've seen two Super Bowls for my team. So uh, maybe I'm just kind of spoiled in that in that regard. But um, you, you're you're definitely right. And I think this will inform our thinking where it's for me, how do you keep your head above water and give yourself a chance every year versus, hey, am I really one of the favorites? Am I who everybody would call a true contender on the inner circle? And we'll we'll dive more into that. You had a perfect segue that I'm just going to retroactively count us for in terms of looking at guys with big cap hits who missed the playoffs. So we're, we're just going to count it. Ignore the last two minutes. The segue worked perfectly um, because, Ben, in the last five years, I've, or for the last five years, I've also compiled the list of the top 10 cap hit quarterbacks and, and kind of track how they have done. So uh, let's let's take a look at those. From 2022 to 2018, and I can't find my 2018 column for some reason, but it's in there. Um, here, here's what has happened. So we have obviously 50 quarterbacks to choose from, right? Just just like you earlier, we have great analysis here, great advanced statistics. That makes 50 quarterbacks, 10 quarterbacks for the last five years. 27 of the 50 made the playoffs. All right, good start. Over 50%, 54%. 31 out of the 50 had a winning record. So, you know, maybe they they missed it by a game. Maybe they, uh, anyways, whatever, they missed by a game or two. Um, so that's 60%. So you're giving yourself a 60% chance over the last five years to have a winning record if you pay one of these quarterbacks big money. All right, that's pretty good. Um, looking at the teams that missed, eight out of the 50 total teams, which is eight out of the, the what is that, 23 teams that, that didn't make it, uh, right. had quarterbacks that were hurt for a significant period of time, right? So you're talking your Ben Roethlisberger in 2019. Andrew Luck, I counted here because 2019 was the year he retired with his big cap hit. Um, Matt Stafford also 2019, 2019 had a good year. Two times mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is on this list twice, 2020 and 2018, a significant time. Dak Prescott, 2020. Uh, I even counted Ryan Tannehill this year because he missed right. what the last five games of the season and mm-hmm. a pivotal stretch for the Titans when they lost the first overall seed in their division. Um, so basically 15 times, uh, 15 of these quarterbacks, 15 of these teams were a non-playoff team without a significant injury, 30% of the time. So basically a third of the time in the league with these top 10 quarterbacks, the team missed the playoffs. That number's probably a little higher than you would like it to be, but it's not terrible. You got to think your odds are pretty good. If you have a guy that was worth paying top 10 money to, or at least getting, you know, equating to a top 10 cap hit and he stays healthy, you have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs. Did anything uh, stand out to you from, from this database or, or any of the names on here in particular? Yeah, I, well, several things. And I apologize for saying we wouldn't hit this level because obviously you already had it on here and I saw it and forgot about it. So we are hitting this level, everyone. <laughs> the, hey, well, one thing that's funny is Jim Agropolo appears on the red list twice here in the playoff category. He's also the outlier for the uh, making the top four with big money. So Garoppolo's all, Garoppolo is the outlier here on everything. The whole spectrum. Yep. Yes. That's Jimmy. 
you're right. You, you pay a guy if he was worth giving money to at all, even even if he's not elite, if he's just somewhere in the category of, oh, we like him, we want to keep him, your chances of making the playoffs are very good, especially after you factor in the season-ending injuries or the significant time injuries. So you feel good about that. It, it's a comfort level. It's job security, and that's important. I mean, that's really important, you know, yeah. when, you, when you're a coach, you know, general manager trying to think, oh, geez, you know, are they going to run us out of here in two years? <laughs> That's important. So it's very important. Um, and you're right. If you're taking your family to see the games and you you don't want to watch this team stink for three years. Um, I, I will say this. Um, there's another level too, where, and this again is where we can talk about it all night. I'm gonna call some names out. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, there's a fifth major name that I know I'm leaving out. We've also seen these guys win big early in their career and then really never get back. Uh, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. he's sitting in the NFC title games. He's mm-hmm. not winning the Bowls. Yep. So there's another factor, too, wherein, yeah, we're winning. We're winning games. Our win percentage is high. Everybody keeps their jobs. But, man, a whole decade went by and we never got back. And yep. it's a little disappointing, right? But that's that's something to factor in. It's not a determining factor, but it is part of the equation, too. And then you go back here to this list, the playoff guys. Yeah, it's it is littered with sixty. It would be higher. It would be sixty five percent if we, if you took out the injuries. Sixty five percent of the teams making the playoffs are paying quarterbacks something for sure. It is funny looking at some of the names who are repeat offenders on here. Um, Kirk Cousins is on here a few times in all the categories, uh, except for the hurt. He's missed the playoffs. He's made the playoffs. So that you know is a whole separate question to itself. Matt Ryan just missed the top 10 in another season, I think 2018, where he also missed the playoffs. So he was very close to making it a couple times. Uh, Carson Wentz is on here a couple times. Derek Carr is on here a couple times. Um, those keep those keep those names in the mind because that that's going to be a topic that definitely comes back around. Um, and, and I think kind of lead us to our, our final conclusions here. And on the on the winning aspect those those guys who won early and then didn't have the same success late i'll tell you what steelers fans for the most part do not agree with me i will tell you that uh if you're listening to this you know i'm a steelers fan you probably know i i cover the steelers for phantom sports and i'm on all the facebook groups i'm on steelers twitter 70 to 80 percent of steelers nation is not content with just having a winning season um they are very upset to not have seen a super bowl victory come back to pittsburgh in what 12 13 years or something like that which i don't know i, I don't know if for whatever reason i'm just like man look at some of these other teams that have never won one and maybe it's just my age i've seen two in less than 30 years and that's great and you know there are people who have seen six in all all 50 years and then there are people somewhere in the middle who are maybe uh Growing up in the 80s, they missed the 70s Super Bowls, and so they've only seen two in 43 years, something, I don't know, something like that. So it, it is an interesting conversation, What what's really important. I guarantee you the Steelers aren't happy with not having one, but, you know, still. Anyways, go they're, ahead. They're, what you- they're not, and I'll say this. There, there are two players that skew all the data. Um, we'd, ha- we'd really have to separate out two guys if we were really just going to hardcore this data, and then there wouldn't be a lot of data left, to be very honest about it. Mm-hmm. 
Tom Brady is one. You already mentioned him. Year after year after year of automatic playoffs and then showing up in the top four almost every year, too. But he's doing it on large, discounted contracts. He skews all the data. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard to get to a real hardcore point. And Matt, Patrick Mahomes, you already mentioned him. He's now skewing the data. First of all, he was doing it on the rookie contract side, and now he's mm -hmm. doing it over here on the big quarterback money side. So if you were really going to get to the hardcore point of this, you'd have to take those two guys out because they're skewing the data so badly. But then you get back to the point of, oh, well, you know what? If you've got Brady or Mahomes, you're going to win a whole lot no matter what you're doing. <laughs> right. So at the end of the day, everybody, here's the conclusion. Someone pay me and Ben a lot of money. Just draft one of the top five quarterbacks yes. of all time. You'll probably win a lot of Super Bowls. That's all That's you need it. to do. We're done. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Simon Short podcast. Um, yeah, this. Yeah, you're you're totally right. You, we can do all this stuff, and it's just like, well, you know, Tom Brady, well, Patrick Holmes, and right. to, to give a little, you know, me preview. This that's pretty much how Ben and I feel about this Super Bowl in general. By the way, you you've said you've spoken about it very very well on the the pods we've done this week. The Eagles should have every advantage. And it's because of Jalen Hurts' cap hit, and it's because of all the opportunities they've had to make trades and make free agency signings, and they've still drafted very well in other areas as well. Uh, as well, but at the end of the day, here, here comes Patrick Mahomes, and he says, "Okay, Marquez Valdez Scantling, sure. Jarek McKinnon, sure. You know, Orlando Brown, sure. Let's go win a Super Bowl." I don't, and and it's pretty much how Ben and I feel. We're we're definitely leaning Chiefs either way, but uh, it's still fun to dig into this stuff, anyways. Yeah, it is. I, and we could, we could talk about this endlessly, and we know it's a little sloppy tonight. Uh, we, we could be a lot more organized, but we're trying to cover a lot of points tonight. So, I don't know what you're talking about. I think this is fantastic. I think everyone's having a great time. Um, it is fantastic. Let, let's use some of this data to, to kind of look ahead a little bit. So we want to next kind of the topic we want to talk about is something that I think this is where you and I are going to differ the most on. So I'm very, very interested in this. And it's basically how do these quarterbacks get these contracts? And it's something that I think is very prominent in the NFL. I think the NBA, since the cap spike in 2016, has also fallen into this, um, th this category. And it's it's very different from what I remember thinking about growing up and, and looking at this stuff and getting into cap stuff for the first time. And it's the idea of a player's worth from a talent standpoint versus what the market demands that they get over time. And, you know, you, that's how you end up seeing Mike Conley in the, on the Memphis Grizzlies in 2016, get the biggest contract of all time. Mike Conley, who hadn't won, been to an all-star game, it's how you see Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr being the top five in cap hits in the NFL above Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, um, Peyton, you know, name, name another guy from the last five to six years. And it's this idea of the market and, you know, market setting contracts, controlling basically everything when it comes to free agency. And it's the same at every position, wide receiver, left tackle. Everybody wants to be the next highest paid guy. Just, I mean, th this isn't real. There's not really a question to this. But what are your what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I, I I think I know where you would lean if you got to be a GM, right? But in in terms of that dichotomy of okay, this guy is the twelfth best quarterback, but he's a free agent this year, and I have to pay him more than the guy last year. Versus, no, I'm going to hold firm and I'm not going to do that. You know what? What do you think about that? Where where the NFL is right now in terms of that? 
when you're seeing those things before real quick before I get to my opinion, when you're seeing those things that kind of don't quite feel right, you know that the system, as much as we've done, the system isn't quite right yet. In the NBA NFL, they're still the next decade, they'll do something a little different. Um, that means the guys who have collectively bargained all this, both on the players' side and on the NFL side, they're doing the best they can. It's a compromise agreement. It's not going to be right for everybody. It's just not. Somebody's going to get screwed. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you move past that. You know, this this system that we have right now for the NFL um, was so dictated by Drew Rosenhaus to a large degree, uh, the, the player agent that represents a lot of guys, and, and then Tom Condon as well, and then the, the other NFL player agents after them. They figured out a long time ago, which quarterbacks have always made more money than the rest of the team for, for decades, but they figured out a long time ago that, hey, we not only get to negotiate with their team over what this player is worth, we can now negotiate with who, what other teams may offer. Mm -hmm. And somebody out there, whether it's yep. a good move or not, somebody out there will offer this and we don't have to sign with you. And yep. when they started doing that, especially after the rookie wage scale hit in, mm -hmm. that started seeing the quarterback market climb to, I, I call it ridiculous levels, but I'll, I'll say out of whack levels is probably mm -hmm. better. Okay. Because mm -hmm. it's not that quarterbacks are making more money than everybody else. They always have. What it is is that quarter, the quarterback market is now moving faster than the cap is every year. The mm -hmm. quarterback market is growing at a bigger rate than the NFL cap is every year. So it's, you know it's outgrowing the market. At some point, that bubble has to burst, but we're not there yet. Uh, yep. We haven't hit that level yet. Um, now you go back to if you're NFL GM, what do you do? Can you counteract that? Well, you can just at a certain point say no. And you know that when you say no, you're going to be criticized by some people, a lot of some people, and then you're going to watch this talented quarterback go somewhere else. And that's just the way it is. Your other option is to trade the guy a year early, which we're starting to see more general managers consider doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me get, let me just, if I know I don't want to pay that kind of money, let me trade him, get a bunch of draft picks, move on, you know? And then if I don't do that, now I've got to pay him whatever he wants. <laughs> That's yep. kind of what it comes down to. So, because yep. you're right, you're not going to change the market unless more general managers start to say no. And until they do, until enough of them are saying yes, then the market's going to keep climbing. It will keep doing what it is doing today. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. We're, we're going to have some good examples to talk about this with here at the end of the pod. Um, and, and the other factor, and, and maybe this will help in terms of like, popping that bubble or not staying under it is what parts of the contract are continuing to go up, right? So the base salaries have been going up and up and up. And then the signing bonuses have been going up and up and up to where the signing bonus is so huge. And I mean, that helps keep, you know, in certain circumstances and what we've seen a lot of the times is teams keep this first year cap hit low, right? Because they're like, okay, we're going to give you a $25 million signing bonus that's 25 million bucks in your pocket today. So your right. base salary is going to be $2 million, right? And you're going to get that split up over 17 games, which I can't do that math in my head, but it's uh, not very much, right? On a game check for a starting quarterback. And they're saying, we're going to do that because now your cap hit, let's say it's a five-year deal, is 7 million bucks this season. And we can go out and do a bunch of other stuff in this free agency right now. Boom, we're good to go. Your cap hit is going to be crazy though in the next four years, but this year it's going to be okay. 
that was the that was the second step after the base salaries were going up. Now it's and and the conversation it's all centered around Lamar Jackson right now, but it's the guarantees. How much can we get this guaranteed? And Deshaun Watson uh, had had that all screwed up last offseason. If you're listening to this podcast, you listen to enough NFL stuff to know that GMs, owners, other quarterbacks, other teams are PO'd about this situation right now because it seems, you know, to your point, this seems like too big of a swing to be the market adjuster already right now. It doesn't seem like anybody else is ready for it. And we're going to, it's going to come to a head uh, one way or another, at least in terms of the guarantees. And then we'll see about everything else in terms of where guys fit into the market um, beyond that. Any, anything else on, on those guarantees or, or market versus, you know, where guys are slotted based on talent? Yeah, real quick. I don't want to bore everybody because I know not everybody. And we're, we're attacking this from a general manager's perspective, a coach's perspective. On the player's side, go get all the money you can get. This Absolutely. will be your only to ever do it i mm-hmm. i wholeheartedly encourage you not to settle for less than you can get whether whether your talent level demands it or not if you can get it get it demand it all right i yep. ask for it hold out everything I, I don't care do it man it's your only chance you'll ever get to do this and ask for huge guarantees um you end up getting what you get but man fight the fight don't feel mm-hmm. like you got just because the team offers you you know 20 percent less Get that money. You will never get another chance to do this again. Once you're 32 and 35, unless you're Tom Brady, you're done. That's it. No no more money. <laughs> no yep. more big money. So yep. get it. On the guarantees, though, um, there's a push in the NFL to just guarantee everything. Obviously, owners don't want to do that because now if a guy gets injured, they're on the hook for eight years worth of $40 million a season. It's brutal. It will kill your franchise. Mm-hmm. So eventually, maybe the NFL and collective bargaining agreement, maybe they need to do something to where if you did sign a big deal, maybe, and and the guy gets hurt, he never plays again, or he's playing awful, you get some kind of cap relief just so you're not getting killed. That's all, all in the future, though. That's years down the road. For now, um, these things aren't guaranteed. Players are asking for as much as they can get. And that brings us to Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. You just mentioned it. The guarantees are very important because they're thinking the same thing. What if I get hurt? I still want my money. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah, the the same concept. And by the way, Lamar, listen, man, if the Ravens don't want to give it to you, you feel free to go anywhere else, my man. You absolutely you you right. go get it. Um that that would be great for me. Um <laughs> the the idea of any what kind of relief can you get and whether that's a cba thing whether that's a team to the league thing pa to the league thing whatever yeah it would be a great mechanism for both for both the nba and the nfl i don't know about the other leagues cap situations and, and how all contracts and stuff work out we're getting way into the weeds now but how can we guarantee the cash for the players but create some cap relief for teams so they can continue to build good teams, right? That I think that's the perfect world. And, and it's about how many of the owners, especially for like either small market teams or the like mom and pop type owners where this is actually all they do, right? Like the Rooney family owns the Steelers. That's what they do. They're not these billionaire tech people or, or real estate people or anything like that. They own the Steelers. Um, yep. A lot of other teams and a lot of other sports are, are the same way. 
So you have to find how it can work with that. But the way we can get closest to guaranteeing all the money for the players while having mechanisms so teams can continue to build team build in case of injury or, I mean, you know, reward people for making good draft picks, right? Can you make it so um, the cap hit or, or, you know, only not the cap hit, but only 80% of somebody's uh, guaranteed money counts towards the cap, right? Can you do that if they're your draft pick, something like that to, to promote good drafting, homegrown signing players, staying in their markets to, you know, endear themselves to the fans not endear themselves like they have to but just to build that connection to fan bases stuff like that um we i i knew i was in trouble when i made this topic discuss and it wasn't a specific question but you know what i think we still did pretty good anyways um yep. there's our 10 quick, there's our 10 minute warning <laughs> <laughs> real quick note because i know that one person out there is going to be screaming at us about this well we're well aware that we do not want to get back to the state in sports to where the, the large market teams dominate everything and the small marketers mm-hmm. chance. So we're not suggesting that, but we are suggesting that if a team or an owner is willing to take a chance on Lamar Jackson not getting injured for the next eight years, he ought to have some kind of a little bit of a cap relief in case Jackson did get injured is kind of where we're going with that. Right. And, and really some a, a mechanism like that should help those smaller market teams, like you said, to have that security um there's a whole thing about like putting money in escrow that we could talk about in terms of guarantees also but we definitely mm-hmm. don't need to go that far um let's hit let's hit the the last question before we go into looking ahead at some of these free agents and guys on the move taking all this data having this conversation we're gonna we'll have it for years and years and years but but where we're at tonight where we're at uh this season and you don't have to answer in a percentage if you don't want. If you have a percentage, that's great. But what is a quarterback worth, right? That This is what we're trying to answer. So if there's a dollar amount, if there's a percentage of the cap that you feel comfortable giving a quarterback, if there's, you know, any other way you want to look at it, what is a quarterback worth in today's NFL to you, Benjamin Parker? It, I'll, I'll try to be quick. If it's a top flight quarterback, an elite guy, absolutely elite hall of fame consideration kind of a guy i'm going to come in somewhere around 12 percent as my top line we're seeing about five guys all time move past that the highest ever is patrick mahomes he's trying to win a super bowl at 17 percent uh second place on the list is your guy ben roethlisberger at just over 15 percent years ago <laughs> got into the top four with the large uh, Tom Brady's uh, uh, has the largest uh, dollar amount to ever win a Super Bowl, I think, if I'm remembering off the top of my head correctly. Mm-hmm. But I'll settle in at 12% if I've got an elite quarterback. If I've got a mid-tier quarterback who's somewhere more like the Dak Prescotts or the Derek Carrs of the world, that percentage for me goes way down. And I don't mean like 10%. I'm somewhere down around 7 8%. And that's where I stop, which leads me to a whole other category we'll, we'll talk about later. But that's about where I'm at. Um, I, I've, I've heard folks say uh, when, the, when the Prescott contract got signed two seasons ago, they're like, man, he's going to be making 14% of the, of the, of the, of the uh, cap, hit, cap space. It's not that big of a deal. It is. It's a very, very, very large deal. I know percentage points don't seem like a lot. Talking about 14% versus 10% doesn't seem like a big deal. It's a huge deal. Statistically, when you get past that, 10, uh, that, that 11 12% mark, even the elites aren't winning too many too many Super Bowls in that uh, in that stratosphere. That's some cold cold air up there. 
let's let's run through a couple names before I, I answer this question just because you you outlined that really, really well. I want to know, we're just gonna go down the list. I'm gonna pull up my my personal rankings um somewhere in here. Give you a minute to kind of think about this. I want to know basically who who is worth a, a market setting contract, right? Because because we know that's how how we would have to construct these contracts, right? There there can't be a I have Dak Prescott as the 11th best quarterback, so I want to give him the 11th most amount of money, right? We know we know that's not a place we're at. Um, so so if you're saying you you have an elite guy and you pay him what he demands or you don't, that's what I want to dig into. So because Patrick Mahomes his his cap hit next year is about 20 percent of the of the cap. So obviously right. if if you're not giving him 20 percent, you're not giving anybody 20 percent. But right. Flipping the question a little bit now, I think 12% uh, is a fair answer to give, but knowing that Patrick Mahomes is setting it at 20 for next year, I want to know, on mm-hmm. a market-setting type deal, do you pay Patrick Mahomes, yes or no? And I'm just going to go down this list. Yes, absolutely. Matter of fact, two years ago when they did it, uh, I told him to do it. I said, don't nickel and dime him. Go ask if he'll give the team a discount. If he says no, move ahead with negotiations. But basically, give him whatever he's asking for. You're not going to find another guy like that anywhere. Josh Allen. Uh, yes, but it's going to be tight. <laughs> yeah, we're we're seeing it now. It's going to be tight. Uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, yes, going to be tight again. But yeah, we'll do it. Uh, let's see, Justin Herbert. Yes, again, uh, going to be tight, but we'll we'll do it. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I need to see more at this point. They're not going to let him go. Jacksonville's been too bad for too long. So realistically, there's no chance they're letting him go. But I need to see more. Lamar Jackson. I, yes, but man, that injury concern is so huge because his electrifying running. Nobody, Mahomes can't run like that. Nobody else can run like that. So if he, if all of a sudden he can't run that way, he's inconsistent passing the football. So the answer is yes, but man. I'm not sure I want to do it. Injury, injury questions concerned here. The last guy I have in my top seven, um, Jalen Hurts. Where are you on Jalen Hurts? Would, would you give him because he's going to be up for a, an extension this offseason, I believe. Where, where, and where do you have him? Yeah, for me, no. Now I love him. Um, for me, the answer is no. But uh, I understand. Listen, we've seen the Eagles already do this twice now. I think they can recreate it, but it might take them another three or five years to do it. So um, for me, the answer is no. But I understand some people are going to be like, absolutely. All right, very fair on your list there, Ben. Um, and and really the answer to, to the question for me is very, very similar. And it's kind of the way once I got back into the NFL and I started following the cap structure and how contracts worked these days – and I realized it was it was okay. You're either market setting guy or you're not, right? It it's no and not even or you're not because it seemed like everybody was getting the contract. And it's not you're this place quarterback. You get this place contract. I very you know very much felt like you're either a guy or you're not, and that means you're either a guy that can win a Super Bowl or you're not. And that that has a lot of varying degrees to it, right? So it's a little we're a little bit different. It's where kind of my net will, will extend a little bit further than yours. 
mm-hmm. but it's basically, can I win with this guy? And that can mean a lot of things. That can mean I win because of him. That can mean I win in spite of him. That can mean he he's there and he gets me across the finish line, but he's not the reason we win, right? There, there's varying levels to that. So if you have a system in place, you have a, a, the bulk of a roster in place secured already, whether that's on long-term veteran deals or a lot of guys on rookie deals, around a quarterback you trust, and, and we'll have two guys here to really kick it off at the start of, of this discussion next. Mm-hmm. But if you can build a team that can get to the playoffs and maybe a, maybe you know win your division, right? You think you can truly be a top-four seed in your conference. Then I then I say do it right and and that's just the market and you deal with it because you know, and you know the data back that up for us right you know you uh, looking at the guys in the conference championship games hey big money guys versus rookie contracts 50 50 when I you know I extend over the last five years to to all the playoff teams uh 60 40 right uh big contracts to rookie guys um even this you know top 10 cap hit data uh over the last five seasons. 60% of the time they went to the playoffs, 30% of the time they missed the playoffs. And there's some percentages, obviously, you know, 10 to 15%, the guy got hurt. So it, you know, kind of a moot point. So for me, it's you either have a guy or you don't. And I think, you know, the, the thing about that, okay, let's say you don't have a guy. So what are you going to do? You go to the Jacoby Brissett type, right? You go just get the, like, borderline guy who's not going to make a lot of money but also doesn't really add too much okay you can but what's the point of that so then it's okay you go to the draft well obviously being a Steeler fan and and doing this kind of stuff um, I did a very similar study to this last year with rookie quarterbacks right and and what does that net you so I basically I actually went back to 2011 as well so about 10 12 years there 10 to 12 years first round quarterbacks how, how do they fare, right? Okay, if I, if I have only a 50-50 or 60-40 shot at paying a guy, well, let's go to the draft. Hate to break it to you guys. It's it's about the same uh, in the draft too. I mean, you've got guys like obviously the most recent ones, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, going back to Andrew Luck, Cam Newton. You feel good about those guys. Um, you also got Baker Mayfield, Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously injury, Josh Rosen. Um, depending on how you look at it, I gave them like a red, green, and yellow, right? Yellow, my yellow, here's an example of my yellow guys, Daniel Jones, Tua Tungvaluwa, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Could go either way with those guys still, I think. I, I think you feel pretty good about a couple of them, but it could go either way. So if you, let's say you take all those yellows and make them reds, you don't feel good about those guys. That's 13 out of 32 first round quarterbacks are hit Franchise quarterbacks can get you into the playoffs when your division, yada, yada. That's 41%. Let's say you make all those yells and turn them green. All right. Just be on the high end. Sure. Daniel Jones is a guy. Mac Jones is a guy, but that's 17. That's still only 53%. So Mm -hmm. whether you're drafting or looking to pay a guy in free agency, you got a 50, 50 shot at quarterback, man. And that's why this stuff is so hard because no matter what route you take, no matter how much you spend, what you do in the draft, it's 50-50. And then we could get into the soft skill portion of this where it's, hey, it's coaching, it's player development, it's the guys in the building, it's team morale, it's team chemistry. And but you know, and we while we love that stuff, that we we can't get data on that sort of thing. So it makes it a little harder for our our point of view. Yeah. And one hard thing that kicks in really hard, no matter what you do, 
Only one team can win the Super Bowl every year. Yep. Only four teams get in that Final Four every year. So even even if you did a great job, it's still a competition, and somebody in that particular season may have just outpaced you that year by by one point. <laughs> yep. So yep. that that kicks in very hard too. Is even if you did a good job, you're good at what you do, you still may not reach the the, the upper echelons. So. Absolutely. Well, let's take all of that info now. We, we pretty much came to the same place. Uh, I think we we knew going in I might have a little wider of a net than, than you did, and I think that's fair and totally expected. But let's use that to look at some of these quarterbacks that could be switching teams uh, this season. I have, a, I have a list of six names here, Ben, and we could take we could take a little bit on this because we're, we're well under our, our 90-minute mark, my man. We're doing great, feeling good. Yes. We'll probably spend like 40 minutes on these guys now. Um we're going to start with, I think, the the most polarizing uh, of the two in this conversation, probably. Let's start with Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. Obviously, had his fifth-year option declined. Um, he is going to be an unrestricted free agent. The scuttlebutt is he's going back for a big number. Uh, maybe not quite market setting, actually, so it'll be interesting. You know, we, We've been talking about you don't get these guys that kind of just slide in, but it seems like he might be in that realm. Um, where are you on Daniel Jones? What are you expecting? What would you be comfortable with? What do you think the Giants should do here with uh, Daniel Jones at quarterback? Yeah, and we'll go back and forth here on the Daniel Jones thing, so yeah. I, I won't throw out all my beans at once here, but – I'll start with this. For for me, Daniel Jones is a guy that if I'm the Giants, I let him go. I I I am done. Not not that I don't think he can win games or compete. I think that he can. I just don't think they came close enough with him on a rookie deal for me to feel comfortable about the next three to five years, him making a lot of money and us trying to win Super Bowls. I'll throw in further there. You have the uh, Daniel Jones kind of injury history. We know that he is somewhat injury prone. Doesn't mean he will be, but it probably will be. That that worries me too. It also worries me that anytime you see a guy wait until this deep into his career to make a mark, it's not unusual to see guys in year four have their career year. That worries me a lot. He didn't show anything in the seasons prior that made me think, oh, this is our guy. <laughs> there was just nothing. It was really when Brian Dable showed up and took that mm -hmm. whole roster in. And then I, I add to that Dable – and his work with Josh Allen and, and how it looks like, you know, he, he really made a difference for Allen. And now I'm thinking, well, he could probably do that with several quarterbacks. And he probably do that with several young quarterbacks. And and even if he doesn't want to draft, draft you know, trade up with the top two picks, I think there's other guys there that he can get, maybe not year one, but I think by year two with a rookie quarterback, he could get very similar production to what he would get out of Daniel Jones. And, and and that's just where I'm at. Now, there's people, and I think you'll be one of them, I know Ronan is, who want Daniel Jones back. That's fine. Uh, totally understand it. For, for me, though, and I'm going to be way under what even the market number would be. For me, once it starts sitting $15, $18 million with Jones, I'm out. I, I just There's nothing there that makes me think we can win significantly year in and year out at those dollar levels. Uh, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at. And we could talk more about it, but that's I think it's a good place for me to kind of lay off and hand it back over to you. So that would be six to eight percent of the cap right there. Um, which right. is I think for everybody just to kind of follow along, Ben had his like, hey, if you're you're a guy, you're a real guy I want to give money to 
12% of the cap, maybe, maybe can stretch yeah. it to 15 for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but six to 8% is obviously a, a far off way. I mean, in my head, when I'm looking at the market and I'm looking at, you know, a- average per year value, which isn't the best way to look at it, but just to get, give you an idea of, of where everybody's at. Yeah. Cause again, we, it's hard to compare the cap hits of contracts when you're signing players because you don't know how they're structured, right? For every single person, every single time. Right. So you, you don't know what the signing bonus is like, the base year salary of that first year, incentives from the previous years that are now coming in. So when we compare and, and talk about this stuff, we'll, we'll talk about the average yearly value, essentially, of the yeah. contract. Yeah. Um, so in that 15 to 18 range, we it's funny because that's kind of the mid-tier, right? Between the guys who are essentially backups and then the guys who are the low-end starters, which... You know, for Daniel Jones, especially if you were talking about before this season, makes a lot of sense. Um, this year, Baker Mayfield made $15 million uh, on an average yearly value standpoint. Jameis Winston is probably the best comp in terms of got a long-term contract at an APY of about 15 mil a season. Um, so, and, and we saw what happened to Jameis Winston this year, right? Walked in, supposed to be the starter, Dennis Allen, not seeming to be as big a fan as Sean Payton was, uh, basically just quietly went to the bench after a back injury and never got back in. Um, I would be very surprised if this is all Daniel Jones could get. Now I get, this is you saying this is what you would give him. Um, the stuff that's coming out of like what people are hearing at the senior bowl. And again, you don't know if his agent is just kind of floating some stuff out there, all this stuff. But, and, and what I've been expecting is somewhere in the in the 30 to $40 million range on an average yearly value standpoint, that would put him with guys like, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and then up to the ceiling of Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford. I think that is a fair market price. I think if you're his agent and you don't get Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff money for Daniel Jones, I think you're getting fired. Um, I think the Giants want, want to give him that because I think, like you said, the stuff he did under Brian Dable this year feel sustainable but when you really do look at it and and the draft point and and looking at the data and thinking about day ball it all makes sense i think you can get this from i think you have the same likelihood of getting this from a rookie especially if now you can take that money and and go build around them now i will say when you you have to look at everything kind of with the context and all the way around right so the giants obviously don't have a high draft pick this year um, so that means from replacing a quarterback, I mean, they might not even get the project Anthony Richardson out of Florida in, in the twenties in the draft. Um, they also might not get a, an elite receiver there. So if you're going to argue to keep Daniel Jones and draft a receiver high, that's not great. The quarterback free agent or the wide receiver free agency class also isn't all that great. It's not like this doesn't feel like there's going to be a Devonte Adams, Tyree kill, um, Who's the other guy that switched teams? Uh, big all pro type receivers switching teams this year, right? It doesn't quite feel that way. So you don't really know. It's not, it doesn't feel like there's a huge opportunity cost to, to put a, the rest of what you need around somebody else. I think the middle ground you do here, and again, maybe middle ground isn't great. You know, you know pick pick one side, right? You're, you're in or you're out. You give them this big money, but you do it on a short-term deal. You see if he continues to improve. You don't hinder yourself with a huge signing bonus that four years from now you're still going to be paying for. 
Um, you do draft a guy, right? Maybe you get that next tier of quarterback in, in the 20s or, or you do it in the second or third round. Um, but I think Daniel Jones is getting money. I, I think he's going to get paid. And, you know, I definitely get the, you know, everyone's got their price, right, in terms of what they would walk away from and also what they're willing to give. You you said it at the top. It only takes one team to offer him $40 million a year because they're so desperate that the Giants are like, okay, do we lose this guy and start over? Or do we just have to, you know, kind of buck up and deal with it? Um, and it seems like they're they're going to deal with it. They're, they're going to want to pay him. Um, and in terms of now thinking about it with that they're probably going to do it, you know, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I'll say this again. There are different ways to do it. And I think Dable is good enough to where even if he had this kind of large contract that he's now got to push through somehow to playoffs and Super Bowls, I think he can he can at least make it in the realm of possible. I, I just don't like my odds. I, I We talked about earlier how that there's really only one guy, Garoppolo, who's in that mid-level tier making a lot of money and getting up into the top four. It it It's extremely rare. The guys we're seeing get in the top four – uh, of, of the playoffs and making a lot of money, they're usually Hall of Fame level quarterbacks. And of course, Jones does not appear to be that. Um, you also add into the mix here, I'm going to call it some names because it's going to come up in the Geno Smith conversation too. I, I know it will. Case Keenum uh, had a huge year with the Vikings and then proceeded to get a two year, $36 million deal from the Broncos. You know, at the time, it was a reasonable discussion. We look back on it and we're like, you got to be kidding me, right? on uh, Blake Bortles. Uh, we love talking about Bortles in a negative fashion. Well, listen, after the year that they made the AFC title game, he got a three-year, $45 million contract. And now we look back at that and we go, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. Um, uh, Jared Goff, um, which he's done some winning since, but he picked up a four-year, $134 million deal from the Rams um, after a successful season. And then it wasn't long before they let him go. They're like, you know what? We can't get where we want to get paying this guy what he's getting. Um, and, and then you have Carson Wentz, of course. We all know the story there. Um, and, and Colin Kaepernick, which is kind of a different story there. But lots of quarterbacks here were questionable until that one magic year. And then they parlayed that into a huge contract. And a season or two later, we're, we're going, you know what? That was a bad deal. <laughs> and I'm really concerned that Daniel Jones at – any kind of large money two years from now, whether it's injury or just eh, performance isn't there, going to be a bad deal. So for me personally, unless the owner just forced me to, I'm just letting Daniel Jones go. There's there's no chance of me signing him. But you asked, what if they do? And I, I, there's a good chance they will. At whatever the number is, you move on. You, you just say, okay, this is our guy. We're paying him. Um, we might have a good backup just in case of injury. Now let's start to build around him. What can he do well? Let's get the receivers he likes to throw to. Let's make sure we have an offensive line that allows him a little bit of time to throw. Okay, let's let's not abandon him here. Let's build around him. And, and that would be the case for anybody you put in quarterback. Completely agree. I think there's – the more I think about it, and I was so in on just you re-sign him and you, you just keep it moving just like you said, and I think you can I, – I think there are enough traits – with a coach like Dayball, you can do it. From a responsible team building aspect, I look at the rest of this Giants team because it would be one thing if it was like, 
man, he's the final piece, right? Yeah, we need a couple receivers, but everything else is really good. It's not. Um, the the defense, from a talent perspective, needs some work. The defensive line is good. The yes. linebackers, the off-ball linebackers, not good. Um, Jalen Smith, the cast off from Dallas, and he he was on another team for like a week this season. Uh, the Raiders, maybe before he made his way to the Giants, he was like their starter for most a lot, large portion of the year. That's tough. The defensive backs were punching above their weight for a lot of the season. Um, so you're thinking, okay, I need wide receivers, I need linebackers, I need defensive backs. Saquon is probably getting the franchise tag, so in another year, we're gonna need to do something with running back. Um, and on top of that, I'm going to pay Daniel Jones, who, when we do our quarterback rankings, at most is going to sniff, what, top 14, right? Somewhere in the 12 to 16 range is probably his ceiling. Unless, right. you know, and we could certainly see another another positive step from him, uh, from Dayball. Right. Um, right. But maybe he is destined, you mentioned Jared Goff, to get this contract and then, you know, like like Goff did with the Rams, but then be a trade piece to a team who has someone better, right? Or or he opens it up for somebody else at some point. Um, the, the more I think about it, the more I personally think for myself, I'm like, uh, yeah, I probably would just move on and, and draft somebody, knowing the data is about 50-50 regardless. But right. I don't think that's going to happen, and I think there's a path to putting a competitive team around them. Mm-hmm. But, but, but... You look at the teams you're going to be competing with, and Dallas, right? You know, has Dak Prescott and is another receiver. And, you know, depending on what they do at running back and depending on what they do on defense, they might be only a couple pieces from being a really good playoff team again. And by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles are in the Super Bowl, and that's just your own division, let alone what the Niners are doing in the NFC, um, what the Seahawks are building, uh, so on and so forth. So I think it's a tough question. I think it, you know, it's why these guys get paid the big bucks to make these tough decisions. I don't think Daniel Jones is bad, but you know, it, it, it will put a ceiling on them, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I'll say this. No, the dollar amounts, I'm going to be vastly different than most people, but you mentioned it. If they can get him on a two-year deal, they can't get him on a one-year deal. He won't do that. If they can get him on a two-year deal, which I'm not even sure they can do that, but if they could, that would be the way to go. At least you're not tied to him for five seasons. Yeah. Let's go to the next guy who's in a similar situation, but I think a guy who's on field tape and product and stats were much, much better is Geno Smith, the longtime backup, now 33 years old, had a really just incredible season and, and you know, similar contractual situation and, and a little bit of the same team situation as Daniel Jones. But again, his ability to be a quarterback and operate like a real NFL type offense and make real NFL type throws, certainly much better than a guy like Daniel Jones. Um, But I think because of his age, you know, being about six years older, seven years older than Daniel Jones, I think is about the, the scuttlebutt getting the same amount of buzz, right? Somewhere in the two to three year, 30 to 35 to almost 40 million a year. Uh, I think that's what the buzz is right now as we sit here on February 8th. Uh, but Ben, what do you, what do you think about for Gino? Let me skip the money for now. Cause we already know that my money line is, is, is not where the market is. Cause I think the market's too big and I'm just at a certain point I'm out, I'm moving on. But let's talk about Gino Smith. First of all, last year was fantastic. Loved it. He did. He beat, he beat my expectations in every category. 
Uh, love it. Love to see that. Love to see a guy who really hasn't done that his whole career do it. It's like, yep. wow, that yep. was buried inside of there. You called it last offseason. Um, I think there's a very good chance Seattle is going to bring him back, mainly because Pete Carroll, I think Pete Carroll has a lot of pride and satisfaction in pointing to it and saying, hey, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, th- I really think he does. The, the things that do concern me about Smith, you mentioned the age. That's a problem. It, it also concerns me that we never saw this before. I'm not saying, well, he never had the chance. He had chances. He had chances to win starting jobs early in his career at different points along, along the way, not when he was behind Russell Wilson, for sure, but early in his career, he had chances, didn't show this. He never showed this. So that's a bit of a concern to me, too. And then what also concerns me is he tailed off as the year went along. There was no doubt about it. His first year... He was, uh, his first month, he was throwing about 80% completion rate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. By his last five weeks, his last five games, he was somewhere down around 62, 63-ish percent. So it went way down. His interceptions were way up in the second half of the year versus the first half of the year. Um, And his yardage got to be very erratic during the, the last few weeks of the season as well. And then you also saw a step down in the middle of the season. So, Whenever you see that, and again, good defenses, as the year goes on, will start to zero in on what you can and can't do. And so it's it's that second half of the season, the playoffs, where you start to see what that player really can look like. Well, Geno Smith, even though the numbers went down, still didn't look bad in the second half of the year. Still a good, solid quarterback. So if they bring him back, I'm okay with it. Now, me personally, I'm moving on, okay? (laughs) I'm, I'm out, like... I'm just not paying that kind of money to a mid-level guy. There's there's no chance. I'm going to draft somebody. I'll even move up in the draft. Or I'll move down in the draft. I got options. I'm not going to do that. Uh, there's even a free agent or two out there I'd consider. I'm just not going to pay him. But I think Seattle is going to do it, actually. It's funny because compared to the Giants, they have a much better – situation to either move on from Gino or continue to build around him because they have the fifth overall pick in the draft. They have the another higher one. Oh no, it's just their normal one. So the 20th pick in the draft, they have two first round picks. Um, They have draft picks. So they have the ammunition and the ability to either draft a guy or say, wow, we're pretty good with Gino and the defense, the way it is. Um, the interior offensive line, the way it is, we could build this thing up and, you know, really put the thing together for him. And I think that's the difference between him and Daniel Jones. Jones was a, he became an average quarterback and his team has below average aspects in a lot of places and they don't have a ton of assets to go out and improve it. Right. So it's kind of, okay, you either invest in Daniel Jones or you put a bunch of stuff around a, a rookie quarterback. But in the case of Geno and the Seahawks, Geno, by all accounts, at least for the 2022 season, was a top 10 quarterback. I had him in my top 10 in terms of how this season went. And like you said, it tailed off a little bit, but not to an extent that it seemed fake, right? It seems like he can still be in that realm, especially if you take that, you know, that 20th pick and and a guy who I'm just hearing so much buzz about. And I can't wait to start digging and tape myself next week. John Michael Schmitz, the, the center out of uh, I want to say, oh, where is he from? Michigan, Iowa, one of those great schools. Um, go get him. Uh, that defense, which was so bad for so much of the season, fifth overall pick on whether it's Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, whoever you can get your hands on. 
um, and you start improving that defensive line. We we talked about their defensive backs last week when you were on. Um, you have a chance to really complete a team just through the draft, and we saw how good their draft was last year, so we know they can do it, let alone I think they have some cap space as well, do something beyond Geno. I, I like the Geno situation more than I like the Daniel Jones situation. I think he's proven to be a better passer. He can move a little bit still if he needs to. And they have so many tools and resources that they can really build something around him next year. So if he and Daniel Jones end up getting the same money, that's a huge win for Seattle because they can do so much more around him for that. So I, I really like the Geno Smith situation for the Seahawks. Yeah, agreed. And to a degree, they're, they'll be years behind and, and, and talent levels, nothing the same. But the financial model is the same as what the Chiefs are doing. Yeah. The Chiefs have a lot of money poured into quarterback. The Seattle would as well if they paid Geno Smith. But now you've got young players and cheap players all over everywhere else just about, and, and you got the draft picks to support it. So instead of having the money spread out over the roster, you got it poured into quarterback. Again, I wouldn't do it, but I trust Pete Carroll to do it and have a winner each year. Maybe not Super Bowl. I'm going to have a hard time buying into that one. But I could see him paying Geno Smith the next two seasons and conceivably being back in the playoffs the next two years. I, I can certainly see that. And we're seeing a talent drain from the NFC as well. Tom Brady's retiring. We'll see what yep. happens to Aaron Rodgers. He's you know, almost a perfect segue there by me. Um, and uh, the, 40, like the 49ers quarterback situation, um, you know, there, there could be a, a – easier path there's certainly an easier path than the afc with all those guys but if you're talking about jalen hurts and dak prescott and then geno smith potentially being the, the next the next quarterback out there you you feel pretty good about your chances i'd say uh let's talk about aaron Rodgers. there's so much we could say i'm glad that we're uh running on this zoom time limit here uh for this segment because it'll keep us from going about 20 minutes just on aaron Rodgers and his whole deal Aaron Rodgers is a different situation. He's not going to get a new contract this season. He has a already huge contract uh, right now. He's going to make, uh, well, his average value for next season uh, uh, for the year is about $50 million. He's the highest paid in terms of that category of the contract, if you want to look at it. Um, big, big number. There's another year after that. This is the only year, though, in his contract he could really be traded, and the cap hit isn't too bad for Green Bay. Um, we know where Green Bay's at. They gave him that money. They'll either pay him and he's on the team, or they'll have to take cap hit for him to be off the team. We don't have to look at it from their angle. But with the cap hit that Aaron Rodgers is on, with the amount of base salary, with the average yearly value that he's going to get next season, should a tr team trade for him, who are you maybe thinking that could be? And what kind of compensation do you think would be fair for taking on both that player and that contract? I, I let, let's start with the with the team first. If if he were to get traded, I like the name that's already been floated around a lot, and that is the Raiders. Yep. Uh, they seem to be in win now mode. Uh, they're a little desperate. Of course, Devontae Adams is already sitting there waiting on him. So uh, that that seems like a you know. Let's let's hit this hard the next two seasons with Rodgers, and then we'll just hit the reset button on the whole darn thing. <laughs> so that I'll, I'll start there. Now I I, I pulled up, and, and anybody in the audience can go look at it as well. I pulled up the uh, Aaron Rodgers contract on Spot Track, 
Um, great website, Souls Over the Cap. Love them both. Uh, they both do well. When I look at it, and again, I'm not a lawyer at all, but it looks like they have a very large dead cap hit for this year. So if they him, it would take away like 40% of the cap. Um, there, there's another way, I think, to do that, but I'm not sure it's legal, so I won't even suggest it. I'm not sure if it's within the rules. But in any case, the dead cap hit, as I understand it, would be insane. But even put that to the side. To me, after you put up with all of the crap and the garbage that you put up with during the last two off seasons, to to get to Aaron Rodgers playing for you last year, why not just go ahead and do it? Do it for another year. Um, I I understand that that may not be where they are emotionally, but strategically, that's where I would be. If I already put up with all the weirdness and all the nonsense and all the the posturing and and everything else that went along with it, and I, I went, I've got this large cap number sitting here. I'm just going to keep him. Uh, you know, that's just where I sit. And I know Jordan Love is sitting back there. <laughs> I think there's going to be a massive drop off. I, I don't see it being, being I, I don't see it being anywhere near close. Um, so that, that's where I'm at. Um, maybe next year I revisit this. Maybe next year he retires. That's where I'm at. Draft pick wise, it's interesting. When you're taking on this large of a salary, how many draft picks should you give back? I don't think very much, to be honest. Um, if you're ready to move on and I'm taking on this huge cap pit, I don't know that I want to give up that many draft picks, to be honest about it. Is the is the seventh overall pick too much? Because now what I'm hearing, because in my head, it was like no-brainer that, and then do you give the Packers back their, their second rounder, right? Some of those picks from the Devontae Adams trade. Some of the, the the people I've been reading and listening to are like, hmm, can you get away with two seconds instead of giving up a first, something like that? Do you straight up seventh overall pick for Aaron Rodgers? Who says no? I, if anybody. Yeah, I, there are gonna be some teams that would say no. I would be on the fence. I, I'm not sure exactly where you end up at, right? I'd really hate to give up my seventh round pick when I'm taking on that much salary cap. And he may only stay around for a year. Yep. I, I'm not sure I want to do that, man. So, yeah, I, I see where the talk is coming from here. And if I can pull off a couple of seconds instead, that's that's where I'm going to go. I, I, I am loath to give up that high draft pick. When, I, when the cap hits that large and he may only play for one more year, you never know. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I said, I said Raiders, what was it? Three or four weeks ago, whenever I had Ronan on, um, I think that offense immediately does become incredible next season, especially if they go ahead and just franchise tag Josh Jacobs um, as well. Uh, I think the offensive line has enough pieces to it. And now you still have all those mid round picks to rebuild the defense, which it the Raiders sorely need. But I think you have the draft capital to do it on the defensive side. You have Max Crosby, you have a star pass rusher. Uh, that's step one. And then I think that offense becomes elite if you make that trade. Yeah, and that's where we start to get into the fact of how many teams would really do this. And we had the same situation with Geno Smith, right? I don't know how many teams are going to line up to throw money at Geno Smith. Probably not many. A couple, maybe. But it just kind of feels good for Seattle. You kind of see where it would work for them. 
the way the team is built, the way Pete Carroll takes such pride in, in, in winning with Geno Smith. You like that. But then you look at Aaron Rodgers and you're like, you know what? The Raiders are a little sloppy. They've struggled anyway. They could use a quarterback. They're going to need one. I don't know how many teams are going to be lining up to take Aaron Rodgers because not all, not everybody needs a quarterback. Some do. But out of the teams that need a quarterback, not everybody has the cap space to pull this off. And, and then not everybody's going to want to give up those draft picks. So, and, and not everybody's going to put up with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. I mean, he's got his own set of things that he brings to the table. So, but you kind of feel like, okay, the Raiders, yeah, you know, they're a little sloppy. They don't mind some drama. They got it all anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can see it. Um, my own personal fantasy, though, would be, honestly, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I would love to see I would love to see Aaron Rodgers go to the Miami Dolphins. We know they're in win-now mode. We know they are. Um, I don't know how much longer the general manager has. Maybe he's done enough to where he's good for the next five years. But even, even so, having said that, we know that they're in win-now mode. And they've got those two receivers sitting there, and they've got a decent offensive line sitting there, and they've got a couple of running backs. I haven't checked free agent status on those running backs, but they've got a couple of running backs sitting there. They've got a decent tight end sitting there. The defense isn't horrible. Um, I I would love personally just watch him go down to Miami for the next couple of seasons, throw the ball deep to those guys. He's got the arm for it. That's really what I would love to see happen personally. That, that's what I'll be rooting for the entire offseason. Yeah, the whole Miami situation going back to last year and, and then everything with, with Tua and the concussions through this year. And I, I do think somebody came out and said, oh, what, I forget if it was GM, owner, coach, uh, we're committed to Tua for next year. Like he cleared, officially cleared concussion protocol just like a week or two ago. He said he's coming back. They they seem and normally I don't care about that stuff, but I don't think that you can have a player with three concussions in a season. And then you say, "Oh, we're definitely committed to them," and then like trade them. I, I, especially after the tampering just last year, I think they're. I think the Dolphin PR uh, really needs a win here. Um, but yes, from an on field standpoint, we saw what Tua could do with those weapons in that group. Seeing Aaron Rodgers do it, I think the only other team you know you outlined so well that. It takes a unique situation, I think, to take Aaron Rodgers on at this point. And we can look at all the teams that have literal cap space. Um, but I think really the only other team, and, and there's always a wild card that nobody's talking about, but the only other team is the Jets. And a lot of the same reasons. They have a team that is ready-made to take in a quarterback, basically. Um, and they feel just crazy enough to do it. And so I think, I think if we were to find the odds on this somewhere, it would be Raiders our favorite, Jets are next, and then the field is plus odds kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, should we talk about the guy leaving the Raiders next before? Let's uh, do it. After talking about his his replacement potentially, Derek Carr uh, is currently on a like uh, a speed round dating convention kind of situation where. He, he was just he was in Vegas for the Pro Bowl after being named an alternate and the team granted him permission to go talk to teams and figure out where he could sort out a trade or free agent signing to. Newsflash, no one's gonna trade for Derek Carr and his his contract for next season. So he's his contract, he, he's gonna be released essentially right after the Super Bowl because three days after his contract becomes guaranteed. Um, and nobody's gonna trade for that, or the Raiders are not gonna pay that. So he's going to be a free agent. Now, the first team he went and talked to, I'm sure you're going to have a field day with this, was the Saints. He, he spoke, met with and spoke with the Saints today. 
who uh, just to give everybody the update, currently are about $63.5 million over the cap. Uh, that's by far the worst situation. In, well, not by far. The Bucks are kind of right behind them, but easily the worst situation in the league. But yeah, they, they could totally pay a you know $30 million quarterback, I'm sure. No problem. Um, Derek Carr was one of these quarterbacks that was a market setter uh, at his um, new money uh, deal that he signed, I think just before the 2021 season, maybe. So just two years ago now, um, quickly. Now, even then, we knew that there was an easy out. So it wasn't quite the same, but his cap hit was pretty big for a couple of years there. What are you expecting for one Derek Carr this offseason? I, I'm going to struggle with where he will end up. I really don't have a clue. So let me start with what we think about Carr at first as a talent. I, I like Carr as a quarterback. I don't think he will ever, and I don't think he could have ever been in the top five, top seven or eight. But I also don't think that Carr has been given a chance to be the best he could be. We've watched how many OCs have been brought through, how many head coaches have been brought through. The offensive line at times has been ragged because of injuries and, and inconsistency. I don't think we've ever seen the best that Derek Carr can be. And I'm convinced that if you if you gave him to like a Brian Dable, for instance, I'm convinced they could roll all the way to the NFC title game, for instance. Now, can he, making that much money, whether it's 30, 35 million, whatever, can you win a Super Bowl with him? I'd be surprised. I think the odds are very much against it. So, I, you know, I'm not going to do it. But could you see him with a team that's struggled for years and they're just trying to save their jobs, make the playoffs a couple of years? Yeah, I could totally see it. Um, where he ends up, I don't know. I would love him in New Orleans, actually, with that offense. But you <laughs> you mentioned that the cap, they, they already are going to have to restructure several things, and they need to cut about four or five guys just to get back to level, not to get spending money, just to get back to um, to the cap limits for, for this year. It's insane that they're talking to him, but I hey, I like optimism, right? <laughs> exactly. I had um in our prediction pod a few weeks ago with Ronan, I had the Bucks actually. Um who have the second worst cap situation in the NFL, but I think they have an easier path to creating space than New Orleans does because they mm -hmm. haven't done quite as many of the restructures as the Saints have had. Um, right. I don't see them going to either of the New York teams because Derek Carr, you talk about pressure and, and right. media and all of that. And I wouldn't want that for him either. I, you know, so yeah, I, I don't know either really uh, the bucks, like I said, were my prediction. The New York teams are out there. Um, I, I don't even want to speculate too much, but I think he's going to he's still going to get pretty good money because of what he's done, like you said, uh, with a good situation around him, which we haven't consistently seen. I think I heard a stat from from the Ringer NFL team that if over the last handful of seasons, he has the worst defensive and special teams expected points added number. Uh, so basically, out of every quarterback, out of every player, he's getting the least from his defense and the least from his special team. So it's all falling on him. And yes, that offensive line has been bad. And uh, the running game hasn't been great at various times. The receiving weapons haven't been great at various times. 
And and I still always saw him as an above average guy. He's somewhere in my like 12 to 16 range, probably on the lower end after this season. But um, I don't know who it's going to be either at this point. I, I would still just blindly saying it right now, say the Bucks because they've said they want to bring in a veteran. So right. they might see him meeting with the Saints and be like, oh, we should meet with him too. And, you know, they still, like I said, have the easier path to making money. But I, I think it's funny because we just did this whole podcast about it's either market setting or a rookie. And I think there's going to be a few guys that kind of get that, okay, what's the starter money? Somewhere 30 to 40? Okay, give it to those guys. But we're also not seeing the, the true high-level talent guys coming off of, you know, the fifth year options or extension guys. It's normally the right. extension guys you're seeing. Um, right. That's enough on Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr is kind of weird uh, twin sort of deal, uh, doppelganger sort of deal. Jimmy Garoppolo, although in terms of handling pressure, I think very different. Um, do you see him about the same kind of maligned guy leaving his situation where he was pretty good? Probably isn't worth the cap spending that he's gotten but probably still going to make some money kind of kind of the same deal yeah i i i see him i see garoppolo getting attention from a lot of the same teams that Derek carr would get attention from now unlike carr i think we've probably seen the best that garoppolo can be i think he's been in some good situations um but having said that yeah i i i I think you've paired it very well i don't know what else i would add to that honestly yeah i think the same teams look at both those guys I think you hope Carr goes somewhere more low-key. And, yeah, that NFC South feels great, right? Panthers, too, even though Reich is there. They're getting a young guy. Um, Jimmy G can play in New York, man. Uh, I I had Jimmy G going to the Jets. I think New York would love him. I think he can handle the pressure, no problem. We saw his press conferences all through this year where they tried to get rid of him, basically, and he's just like, yeah, man, cool, whatever. I, I'm here. Um, oh, you now want me to play for you? Okay, I'll help us win games. He's not going to care what the tabloids say or, or what the, the back page of the New York Times says, anything like that. Uh, Jimmy G's going to, going to New York, I'm so sure of it. Also, a lot of 49ers contingent is there as well. But yeah, same teams are going to be looking at those guys, uh, probably about the same price tag. I think talent-wise, those two are in the same tier for me. I think Jimmy G has been higher the last few seasons, but like you said, because much better supporting cast. I think truly Carr has more talent. Not worlds apart, but right. I think if those scenarios are flipped, we're seeing different results. The last one, and it's the big one, uh, this could go a number of ways. Lamar Jackson, we could see them come to d- terms on a contract. We could see no contract get signed. We could see a franchise tag holdout. We could see a franchise tag play. We could see a franchise tag trade. What are you thinking for Lamar here, Ben? First of all, let me address what I think will happen. I I think the chances are still good he resigns with Baltimore. Now, that's not what I'm hearing. Everybody I hear, almost everybody I hear, says tag and trade, that that's what's going to happen. Um, now, what I'm not hearing is about any teams really rumored to be trading for or interested in Lamar Jackson, which is what's leading me to believe Baltimore's still very much in play here to keep him. Because um, I, I, my feeling is that if if Baltimore was just kind of done, they would already be taking back channels to other teams and, and word just leaks out that, hey, this is coming. And we're not hearing that. What we are just hearing a lot of is, hey, tag and trade. 
Um, but we're just not hearing as uh, you know, usually there's all kinds of people, um, maybe not the, the Adam Schefters of the world, but that next level down in the media and they're floating a lot of stuff out there, but Hey, here's about eight to 10 teams that are, that are in play for this. Not hearing that. Um, but in, anyway, that aside, let's talk about Lamar Jackson himself for a minute. Um, he's electrifying, perhaps the most electrifying athlete we have in the NFL right now. He's also wildly inconsistent. <laughs> There, there are months where he is the best player in the league and he can he can line up against Brady or Rodgers. I mean, he's that untouchable. And then you'll have six weeks where it's just like, who is this guy? Superman took his cape off and he's he's throwing for 180 yards a game and he's running for 60 yards a game. And you're like, eh, where'd he go? <laughs> so... Um, before we talk into the money, though, I'll kick it back over to you and 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 take it a step further. Yeah, the it would be so interesting to see him still on this team next year with the new OC, whoever it ends up being. Um, Greg Roman out. Eric Bieniemy is, is a guy that the Ravens apparently are are pretty hot after right now. Um, I'd be so interested to see him with somebody with a little bit more of a creative offense to see if some of that consistency holds because yeah, he has all the talent. Anyone that says he's not a real quarterback, not a real thrower of the football isn't, isn't watching games. It's there, but between the talent and the coaching and not because they're bad coaches, but the, the game plan that's put together year after year around Lamar and his running, I think has self-sabotaged the passing game and thus has made going and getting receivers and pass catchers, um, and I shouldn't say pass catchers, they drafted three tight ends last year, but uh, go get real receivers that can do a bunch of different things. I don't think they've put enough investment in that. So it'd be interesting to see what he would be like back in Baltimore with the new offensive focus. That said, yeah, man, I'm one of those tagging traders. I'll give you a couple teams. My pick on, on the pod a few weeks ago, as everyone knows, was the Houston Texans. Just trade all your picks, man. Two, 12, the second rounder. You still get the other Browns picks next year. Baltimore sits there, gets Bryce Young. Everybody's happy. Um, but I think Detroit would be fun if they wanted to move off from Jared Goff. I think the Giants would be fun if they don't want to re-sign Daniel Jones. Imagine what Dayball could do with Lamar Jackson. I think the Jets would be involved. Um, I think this team wouldn't be involved, but I think should be. How about 45 minutes down 95 and go over to Washington? I think that would be interesting. Um, I think – I think I, I think the reason there's not a lot of that stuff floating around, you're you're correct. Nobody is really talking about it. It's because the Ravens are trying so hard to make it not happen. And Lamar, self-representing, doesn't have that agent that's floating out to these reporters. Hey, by the way, you know, these teams have called and talked to us. Good point. He's yeah. Doing it himself, <laughs> right. And so if it's gonna happen, he's just gonna go tweet about it, which I love when he just gets on and, and tweets for himself. Um so if anybody were to do that, it would be him saying, you know, I was at the Combine today and I spoke with Brian Dayball who said he would love to trade for me, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, and he's not going to do that. So that I think that's part of the reason why. But I think as soon as word gets out that Baltimore is open to it or that Lamar comes out and says, I will not play for the Ravens, every team is going to get on the horn and make that phone call because we don't see – you know, this was the last step that we were talking about earlier. We don't see this kind of guy truly get to unrestricted free agency. 
a quarterback of this caliber, former MVP. This is the closest I think we would ever get a tag and straight up. This guy's available to be traded. 20 teams should be calling if not more. Um, And I think it would be fascinating. And by the way, in terms of the contract, buddy, this is a top 10 quarterback who's 26 and yeah, he's got the injury thing, but you should have extended him. You should have uh, worked something out well before we got to this point. And that makes the price go up. Um, So if Baltimore were to get him back, it would have to be way closer to his side of things than their side of things. That's for sure. So I'm expecting this to be that, that market setting 45 to 55 APY average yearly value as close to fully guaranteed as you can get Um, huge signing bonus, huge cap hit the works I would expect for Lamar on this deal. If he were to not get the franchise tag, which I think is somewhere uh, in the $35 million range, if he were to get that. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. When you're talking about this, this is one of those con- contracts where you're like, can we actually win Super Bowls with this guy making this kind of money? I'm not sure we can, but because so many teams are going to be interested, you mentioned it. It'll be no less than 10. It might be as high as 20. A lot of people are going to be very interested. You know the number is just going to be insane, and that's just the fact. Uh, this, this isn't one of those mid-level guys. This is a guy who can throw the football 60 yards down the field on the fly while he's running. He can do it. This is a guy who can run faster than any other quarterback in the NFL um, until Malik Willis shows us otherwise. Uh, Mahomes can't do some of the stuff that that uh, that Jackson can't, can do. I still worry about the inconsistency. He's up and down. He's, he's been that way his whole career. Even back in Louisville, he was that way. It, it, it is his DNA. You worry about the injuries. But I will say this. If I were the Ravens, I last offseason, I either would have traded him then, I would have walked into the owner's office and said, hey, these are my two concerns. We don't want to give up this kind of money and still try to compete for Super Bowls. Let's trade him now. Let's get all kinds of assets and move on. And short of that, it's just, okay, let's pay him. Um, they're, They're in a bad spot now because each month that passes, they're kind of pissing him off, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you don't want to do that. Like, Yep. I get it that you don't want to guarantee the whole darn contract. I, I believe me, I'm there. <laughs> you know, if he gets hurt mm-hmm. three years in and is never the same again, you're you're screwed for five years. You yep. you are toast. Yep. But you're there. Like, go ahead and just pay him. Um, since you didn't trade him last offseason, I, mm-hmm. and I know the tag and trade is there on the table, but even if you pay him in a couple of months now, you you've kind of made him mad. <laughs> so. Exactly. You know, how does he feel about you moving forward? I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's great. So I, I felt like the trade time was last year. And if you weren't going to do that, go ahead and pay him, move on. Uh, maybe you don't ever win a Super Bowl, but you're going to show up in a lot of playoffs and you've always got a chance, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast. So we got one, you know, those are the big six. We got one who's already making top of the league money. We got one who's probably going to make it, whether it's a, a true new contract now or a tag and then an extension off of that. And then we do have four guys that are going to be looking at kind of mid-tier contracts. Probably won't be in our uh, next season's analysis of top 10 biggest cap hits. So we won't really have to look at what what has happened, what has transpired with them and their teams, but it'll be interesting to track for sure. A lot of good stuff here, Ben. Anything else on quarterbacks, contracts, or or anything uh, else you want to talk about or plug or, or anything before we wrap it up for the night? 
I'll, I'll say this seriously, and then I'll get to a lighter note. I've been telling NFL GMs for four years now, they need to think differently on these large contracts. They just need to. When you're a player in the market, you know, you don't show up at the grocery store and, and buy steak that's 10 times higher than what you're used to paying. You're like, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll eat hot dogs for the next couple of years. You know, I'm okay. I have, I have choices. Um, it's no different. You're a player in the market as a general manager. You have the right to say no. And if you're in any kind of negotiations, any industry, and you can't say no, then you shouldn't be at the table. You should always have the ability to say no and walk away from the deal. Too many general managers are saying yes to some of these mid-level contracts. And eventually that will change. It might be three years from now. This bubble can't keep growing at this level. It just can't. But this is just where we are now. So this is the market. Deal with it. You either pay a guy or you don't. You move on. On a lighter note, for anybody that's listened to us for this long, um, thanks for listening. Uh, we could have talked about this for four more hours. You got out lucky that this is all we did. <laughs> we moved pretty fast. <laughs> I uh, I jinxed us by by saying talk, talking so much trash about under an hour and a half before we hit those individual quarterbacks. I don't even know where we're at now. But uh, yeah, Ben, thank you so much for being on here. Uh, appreciate it as always. It'll be just a few more weeks before we have you on to start some draft stuff. So. Uh, Hope you enjoy the Super Bowl. If you want to hear more about me and Ben talking about the Super Bowl itself, go check out Odds on Favorite. Go check out the Phantom Football Podcast. We we dive much deeper into the specific game uh, on those two shows, but we wanted to hit the quarterbacks and the contracts leading up to the Super Bowl here. So enjoy it. Um, thank you all so much for being here. Ben, thank you for being here. Everyone have a great Super Bowl week and weekend. And, and you know, as always, have fun. And be safe out there.